Influence Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Eckes, a serial entrepreneur and social media guru that has an infatuation with all things business related. On the show, we bring together brands, creators, and thought leaders to discuss the power of influence. Each episode is jam-packed with learnings, firsthand stories, and conversations from guests that truly have their finger on the pulse. Stay tuned as we dive into the stories and explore the impact they're making by getting under the influence. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another solo episode of Under the Influence Podcast. I am your host, Whitney Eckes. And today I wanted to talk about something that I'm exploring and that I've explored and I have ex- experience with. But this whole topic is really relevant to my life right now because I have a lot of moving parts and there's been a lot of opportunities brought to me. So I wanted to actually touch on what it means to take on sweat equity, what it means to diversify your value into another brand and having compensation of actual ownership of that brand. So first, let's talk about what sweat equity is. For those of you that don't know, sweat equity is essentially you performing a service or bringing value to the table in some sort of work value. So for example, and that's a very loose definition of it, but for example, if I was going to go to a brand and offer them sweat equity for marketing consulting, or if I was going to go to a brand and say, Hey, I'm going to bring you in X amount of influencers, or I'm going to do X amount of hours of work for you. And in turn, that's going to equate into a percentage of equity for that work. So instead of necessarily being compensated monetarily, I absorb a piece of ownership of the company or of the brand because of the work that I'm doing. There's many forms of it and there's many ways to go about it. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about was these opportunities that come to us from startups asking for sweat equity and how to approach them because I have been burned by doing sweat equity and I have greatly compensated for my sweat equity. And the way that I look at it now is what is the value and also what are my terms and what are my boundaries? So I wanted to share that with you guys today. So first and foremost, let's start with my first experience with sweat equity. I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I took on this brand right when I first started my agency. And this brand was a app-based program business, and it was really interesting, and it had a ton of opportunity. It had really great legs. The sellout terms were basically the exit plan seemed really strong, and it basically was all about how many users we could get on the platform and then who we could sell that those users to or that data to, in a sense. So basically, we wanted to build up this big audience. We wanted to turn around and basically sell it to a conglomerate that would basically want to absorb all those audiences and be able to take that kind of base level business that we built and run with it. So it seemed great. Again, mind you, I was 22. This was my first time walking through any form of sweat equity. This is my first time even walking through a app-based brand, which now I know is not my forte. I give it to you guys that have apps and that really work in that space of business because I think it's absolutely incredible. And I think there's a true finesse of how you market it and how you grow it. Was not for me. So I basically went on with this brand. I signed a two-year contract for a certain amount of percentage of equity. 
And there were not a lot of terms that I outlined directly to this company. Now, when it came for those two years to be up, my equity had vested. And then I chose to basically bring to the table that I wanted to work with them in a larger capacity, but that I also wanted compensation. So what I was doing for that brand is essentially I was building out their entire marketing division, which holy cow, that's a lot of work. And for what the percentage was given was not, I should have asked for either more equity and or equity and compensation. And then also after those two years, I expected that the time that I was being putting in and the people that I was employing to help build this out would be compensated. So those were terms that, again, I had set these expectations. I had communicated this. And unfortunately, the brand was unable to do that. So we essentially brought things to a close. The reason why I refer to this as feeling burned is because I didn't set myself up for success. And again, I look back at this as a huge learning lesson for me because it's taught me so much on how I work with brands now in future capacities. So I want to dive into this a little bit. When a brand comes to you, which I feel like a lot of you inside of the marketing business, or if you're a creator, or if you are a freelancer, there's a lot of opportunity for brands to come to you and say, hey, I would like to take you on. I'll give you equity because I can't pay you right now, or some sort of term where essentially they're going to bring you on, they're not going to pay you up front, but they'll have a payout either when the company sells or whether it's a rev share, a profit share, an earn out, anything like that. So going back to that, one of the things that I would always recommend doing if a brand does come to you is looking at number one, your value in your service offering. Again, I was 22. I was taking on a lot of things at once. I was trying to grow the agency. I was saying yes to everything. That was my own learning journey. And this was one of the things that I was really a big building block in that. So I was so excited to even be thought of and honored with this like idea of me being a part of this brand on top of Ekis Marketing. And I remember thinking like there was so much opportunity. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to build out everything. And I mean, I did everything from their social to their graphics, to their email, to building out mock websites just to show with the developers what I wanted the website to look like, to weekly calls, working and giving so many hours to this brand. And of course, I wanted to do that because I had ownership in the company. I had this percentage of this ownership. So I spent two years doing that. The thing that I should have really looked at was number one, what was my value and what was I giving? And also what were those boundaries? Because Instead of me just going into it being like, this is my company, this is my ownership, I need to give everything that I have to give, which a lot of founders, especially when they're working with you, will want that out of you. It blurs the lines of how much value you're giving for what you're being compensated. And you are in charge of that. When you sign on to work with a brand, you need to be very clear about what you're being compensated, how you're being compensated, and for what amount of hours or value that you are giving. So we always talk about like charger worth. Look at what you're bringing to the table. 1,000%. But if you are doing sweat equity, you also need to realize that if it is a two-year term or however long the term is for when you're going to have your equity vested, how many hours a day are you working? How many hours a week, a month, and what services are those? How are those services going to be executed and be fulfilled? 
And once they are fulfilled, what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for the brand? So getting super clear. Again, I was working a crazy amount of hours when I should have went back. And again, looking, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. But what I should have done is I should have set up a term of, okay, hey, guys, I'm going to be working 10 hours a week for you. This is what you're going to get. Outside of those 10 hours, you need to pay me because that will be additionally hourly work and I need to be compensated for that. This can all be written up inside of your contract too. So I'll get to the contract part. But this was something that I really learned from and I really wanted to also share with because I feel like, again, there's so many brands, there's so many things popping up that a lot of times it feels like all this opportunity, but you need to make sure that you're taken care of first And also too, if you do want to eventually start investing in more brands and diversifying yourself, you need to watch your hours. You need to make sure that what you're doing full-time or this side hustle or whatever this is doing is not interfering with your full-time. It's not interfering with your work-life balance. It's easily managed. And it's something too that you feel like you're going to be well compensated for. So that was the first big learning of me walking through this company my first time with a two-year sweat equity deal. Now, the second thing is evaluating who you're working with and evaluating what partners, what infrastructure, what team you're going to be given. This is another very big learning. A lot of times people will see so much potential in you and they're going to see so much value that you bring that if a founder is just starting up, a lot of times they're working so much and they're giving so much to their brand that they're going to assume that you are part of this team as well, which you are, and that you need to be working an insane amount or they want to put you on everything. Entrepreneurs wear multiple hats. And I'm not saying that you giving so equity doesn't mean that you're an entrepreneur. It means you're very entrepreneurial. But entrepreneurs wear many hats and sometimes we find ourselves doing too much. And sometimes we find ourselves blending out of our own lane and taking on a lot. Where again, like if we have this boundary that's already set up, we have this lane, this contractual agreement of what we're doing and the services that we're performing in order to get that compensation or that sweat equity. If we don't have that, a lot of times we'll end up taking on too much. So when I was working with this brand, the other thing that I didn't do is I didn't evaluate the partners. I didn't evaluate who was the owner what was his experience in this specific industry. I didn't evaluate who the CFO was. My position as being, I'll just tell you, I was kind of taking on a CMO role. And also kind of what else we were looking at in terms of all the other kind of C-suite execs or beginning lineup founders that were going to be taking this on. With that, not only did I not investigate their background, to ensure what is the success or the trajectory of growth that this company is going to be from these founding people. But I didn't look at the team. Now, there was not much of a team. It was really us. And it was really us going out and raising some private money from friends and family, doing a friends and family round, and then trying to determine where all the spend was going to be going. So I didn't take enough time to evaluate who our developers were. didn't take enough time to evaluate who was going to be operating the marketing front? Who was going to be my team? Was it just me? Was I able to use my agency? What was I able to do? So I really jumped in head first into this deal because again, I was very flattered and honored and I didn't give myself enough time to evaluate who I would be working with, how I would be working with them. And does this seem successful with the people that are going to be basically driving the ship? 
this is another huge part. Before you jump into bed with everyone, it's just like dating. Do you enjoy working with them? What I say is like, do you see any red flags in business? Do you see any red flags in the ability for this company to grow? From your experience and whether you're doing marketing, whether you're doing sales, whether you're doing business development, operations, HR, does this make sense? And do you have the team and the tools in order for this thing to grow, to be acquired, or for the exit plan to be fulfilled? Again, huge learning lesson for me. So that was something where, again, I look back at, and now that I've been a couple more years in business... I wish I would have taken the time to really evaluate what that looked like, how it was developed, and also to have brought in these questions to the table. This is another part that I feel like I want to touch on. Whether you're male, female, whoever the hell you are, if you are absorbing a percentage of company, you have ownership in that company. You need to determine whether or not you have the ability to have voting rights or no voting rights. That being said, you should always bring your perspective and your opinion to the table, especially if you're absorbing some sort of role, whether you're being a chief marketing operator or whatever it is, like you need to be able to really understand what that's going to look like and also be able to share your opinions and share whether or not you feel like this is the best decision for the company and evaluate that with your founding members. I think that's also the tell of a really expansive founder is one that is going to open up the floor for all of his team members to share, whether you are a co-founder, whether you are on a fractional role, whether you're just an advisor. It shows a lot in the founder's character that if they're open to receiving your ideas. And I would highly suggest you look for that. Again, we talk about, I should just do a whole podcast on red flags in business, which maybe I should, because I think it'd be really funny to start breaking down those archetypes of what I see with people that I want to work with and people that I want to stay away from. But with that, that's a really good telling factor of being able to feel heard and seen and know that you're able to bring your perspective and your opinions to the table with a team that's going to be receptive to it. So make sure you know who you're working with. Court them, date them, also let them poach you. This is another big thing. When I get excited about a deal, I get so excited that sometimes I become a really bad negotiator and I just jump straight into the deal. You have so much value and you have so much power with someone wanting to work with you. You are in the driving seat when it comes to that deal. Yes. Do you probably want this deal? Yeah. Is it everything that you want? Dreams come true? 1000%. But you're allowed to drive that deal. If someone is coming to you because they want to work with you, you have power there that you get to negotiate on. So negotiate it. I think that's one of the biggest things too that I've learned is that, and this is also kind of a mindset trick where it's like, I get to have everything that I want. And it's so much easier said than actually done, especially when there's something on the table that we want so badly. But you also get to remember that you are in the driver's seat and that if you don't get everything that you want, or maybe there's certain things that are non-negotiables that the brand is not willing to provide, it is usually going to be not a great relationship. 
you need to set out what are the non-negotiables, what are the things that absolutely you must have in order to accept this deal and make them very clear to the founder. Because if the founder is not willing to observe those non-negotiables or give them to you in part of the deal, whether that's, you know, let's just talk about like working from home, working only eight hours a week, not working weekends, not answering your phone at 9 a.m. or past 7 p.m. Like those are kind of some of my non-negotiables. But those are things that if the founder's not willing to honor those or doesn't take those seriously when it comes to your deal, it's probably going to be a really rocky relationship. You want to have someone that's going to honor that. You're going to want to have someone that understands that. And also if they're going to understand the way that you work and they're going to have that trust for you. That's another huge thing is you really want to build up that level of trust and also ensure that they can understand where you're coming from and you guys can be on a level playing field. So when you're sitting in this negotiation, when you're asking for everything that you want, you need to make sure that it's very clear cut and understood and you need to put it out there. You need to not be afraid to tell them what you want. What is your dream deal? What's yes and no's for you that are going to basically take the deal either on or off the table and be able to negotiate it. If someone wants to talk you down out of your equity, ask them why. Ask them what their thinking is. If someone wants to negotiate down your pay, ask them why and ask them what the options are. If it's a startup company and they're not able to pay you the salary that you want, okay, amazing. What are other opportunities for me to make money inside of this company so that I can make sure that I'm not necessarily losing my salary, but I'm able to hustle my salary to where I want it to be to make the company more successful? Is it a revenue share of what I'm bringing in? Is it a profit share on a quarterly basis? What are the opportunities for you to negotiate? And also hear them out, right? Always try to be flexible to the deal. Keep your non-negotiables non-negotiable, but also be flexible. If, you know, for example, a company is like, well, listen, we can't give you all this equity because we're going for a raise or we can't give you all this pay because right now we're so lean and we're not profitable. Okay, amazing. Maybe this isn't the time for us or maybe this is the time, but what are my options here so that I can make sure I'm happy in the business? I can make sure it's serving me because I want to serve the company to be the most successful. And in order for us to be the most successful or make a brand the most successful, we have to make sure we're supported. Get Super is an instant wellness beverage brand created by moi. So good, you won't believe it's instant. It's for those seeking convenient energy sans the jitters. That's right. We put good old-fashioned broad-spectrum hemp CBD into our organic Arabica instant coffee. It's probably Arabica, but I call it Arabica because it sounds more fun. Get Super and our hemp extract contains all the naturally occurring cannabinoids and turpentines. We include about 20 milligrams of hemp per each stick pack to give you all the fun, calm energy, plus that true entourage effect. All the benefits without getting quote unquote high, as all of our products are non-psychoactive. Get Super has been featured in Forbes US Today and was named top startup to watch in 2021 by Yahoo Finance. Also, you guys, Get Super has helped me with my anxiety. It helps me sleep better at night. I've mentioned to you guys my whole mental health journey. And honestly, this company was a just passion and project of love because of what I've gone through and what I've walked through with my own depression and anxiety. I hope that it will help you the same exact way it has helped me. So go ahead and get your 15% off by using the code under the influence 15 at checkout.
That's right. Under the influence 15 at checkout. So you guys have so much bargaining power when a brand does come to you. You are sitting in that seat. You're sitting in this position where the brand is going to want to basically come and bring you on and you get to set your own terms. You get to set the boundaries. So let's talk about contracts. Let's talk about signing. Number one, anytime you go into this, anytime you do anything contractually, find yourself a lawyer that you love, an attorney that you trust, someone that is going to have your back and someone that is going to be able to advise you. Whether it's seeking out a specific attorney in a specific industry. Like for example, I have a hemp and CBD attorney law firm. I have a more business administration attorney, and then I have a family litigation style attorney. So I have three and all of these people, I trust and value their opinions so much that I make sure that they're actually walking through these contractual basis with me. And they're also advising me. Now, if it's something where maybe you're like, well, Winnie, I can't necessarily afford an attorney. I would say that you need to find someone that's going to work with you. You need to find someone that's within your price range. And you need to also evaluate how important is this deal? Because you don't want to ever sign your name on any document if you're not able to understand or you're not able to read it. And of course, I've done this and fucked up and have signed things without reading them. I have signed things without having people advise on them, just out of sheer excitement and trusting the person. And it's not that they had ill will against me. It's that I didn't read all the terms or I didn't understand all the terms and it came back to bite me later. So if you're even investigating this space, make sure you find some legal help. Make sure you can consult with someone, a friend, a family member, or someone that maybe has been in this experience or that is able to read and help you understand these contractual terms. So let's talk about timeline. The other thing too, is that you want to make sure whatever service you're offering or whatever value you're bringing to the table, there is a timeline. There is a term. There's a certain amount of time for when your equity or your compensation will be paid out whether that is kind of doing things on essentially almost like a loan where you're working and then you get a payout after that work's complete, or you're working and then your equity is essentially vested for all the services that you're offering. Typically, I like to have both. I say that you should always have both. You should always have a little bit of compensation. You should always have a little bit of equity if you're going to go this route and also if you're serious about the brand, especially if you want and you see a lot of potential with the brand. With that, I also think that you need to have a really structured timeline. How long am I working for you for? And if I'm going to be paid out my equity when the brand sells, what is the exit plan? So when I say exit plan, usually that means whether a brand gets acquired or sold or basically pays out that equity, whether they buy you out of your equity or where they go to sell and then you're paid on the sell. There is so much more to this too. I'm giving you guys, like I'm not an expert in this. I'm giving you guys what I've understood with my deals. So please don't take this like I am trying to give any expert advice. I'm just trying to explain it from the situations I've been in and the experience that I've had. So I wanna make that very, very clear. This is what has worked for me. This is how I understand it. I have so much more to learn. But for those asking how I work on sweat equity, this is typically how I go about it. So I just wanna make that very clear again. So your terms and your offering, making sure that you're setting a timeline. How long do you want to work for them? How much work are you putting in in a timely manner where it's going to equate into X amount of percentage? 
that's also a whole other discussion too. I think that when we go to talk about the percentage of equity, you also need to measure how much your service offering and the value that you're bringing to the table is worth. Because that worth is going to also equate into the percentage that you're earning, right? How much is the company evaluated at? How much percentage are you asking for? What is the percentage of your work? How long are you going to be offering that percentage of work? And what eventually is the return that the company is going to be making on you for putting in that work? So you need to be very clear on your services, on your pricing, on your hours, all the things that you're bringing to the table for this brand so that then you can also say, this is what I'm asking for and this is why. This is how you're going to basically make this back or how I'm going to grow the company based off what I'm doing. And also this is the monetary value of what I'm doing and this is why I'm asking for this percentage because it's going to equate to this monetary value. Hopefully that makes sense. I'm trying to like basically put all the things that are in my brain out through my mouth and make sure it's very clear. So with that, determining your payout, determining your timeline, and then also being like super clear, like making sure that it's like, hey, I want to be paid at this point in the brand, or I want to be paid at this point and during the seller acquisition. And this is how I want to be paid. You get to set the terms, you let them come back and negotiate with you, but you also need to have non-negotiables. If a brand is not willing to pay you out that way, or there's something where it's not aligning, you need to be very, very frank and clear with yourself that this is a good fit. Because you also have to remember walking into a partnership that you're somewhat happy with the deal is usually never going to work out. It's usually never going to be a good deal. You have to feel motivated and supported in order for you to walk into this deal. And you need to tell them what you want. You have to be clear. For my people pleasers out there, this is like the hardest thing for us is telling and being very explicitly clear on what we want. We're so used to wanting to serve and wanting to please everyone that we leave ourselves out of the equation. And then what happens is we build resentment for those people and we feel like we're not seen. We feel like we're undervalued or underappreciated. And then we get angry or something happens. And whether it's a blow up, whether it's just a complete shutdown, you end up walking out of something that you could have totally prevented just by being clear right out of the gate. And trust me, it is so hard for me. I've been literally the last 10 years of marketing has all been driven to building my brands and my clients up, making sure they're happy, making sure the success is so clear and abundantly. They're out of this world excited about me. So when it comes to me actually sitting down and telling them what I need and want, it could be hard. And you have to feel confident in what you're negotiating. You have to feel confident in your non-negotiables and you need to be clear on why you need those. I need this for my day because I need to be able to work from home. And here's why I struggle with my mental health. And some days I work best when no one communicates with me and I'm sitting on my couch and I'm able to just focus in on my computer. I need to make sure that you guys aren't calling me before 9am and after 7pm because quite honestly, it gives me stress and I won't be able to sleep the next night. And then I'm going to be hellish to deal with the next day. Be clear, be honest. You are the rock star. You are the expert. They are coming to you. You get to set the terms and you get to tell them the best way for you to be successful. And if a founder hears that, here's how you need to be successful. It's going to build trust with them. And they're going to say, okay, cool. Wait a minute. Like I know not to do that with Whitney. That's a boundary. And I know if I overstep that boundary, she's not going to be able to operate at her most top optimal performance. And if they don't understand that, it's not the deal for you. It is not the deal for you. Turn around, walk away. It's not aligned. They're not able to understand if they keep coming at you and asking why, even though you've already expressed your terms, it's not a good fit. 
if someone is asking you to bend around your own boundaries for the sake of them or for the sake of the brand, it's not a good fit. It's not. They don't understand you and they don't understand your value or else they would not be asking those questions. That is something that I have learned with my clients. And that is something I have learned with working with other entrepreneurs. Everyone has their own philosophy of how to run and manage their team. And that's no one's business but their own. But if someone does not see eye to eye and I'm constantly being questioned on my boundaries, it doesn't work. I remember I had a female founder constantly question me. She constantly broke my boundaries. She called me all the time, even though we were contracted for only X amount of hours for meetings or for calls. And I'll never forget, I take an annual vacation to Lake Powell and I'm off the grid for about 10 days. And it's honestly like the best thing for my mental health. Like I don't have any service. I'm out in the lake. It's great. I feel like it actually too really builds FaceTime with my team and my clients. And she point blank was like, I just can't believe you're taking a vacation right now. And mind you, I'm not a part of her team. I had no ownership in this brand. I was not a co-founder. I was not a partner. I was her marketing agency that she had contracted out. And not only did she not say this to the account coordinator, she said this to the founder of the marketing agency. I can't believe you're taking a vacation right now. I'll never forget this. And I'll never forget the word she said next. She said, well, I just thought you were in the trenches with me. This was huge for me. And this opened my eyes. I remember I called my friend crying and she was like, this is toxic. This is a relationship you don't want to be in right now. And if someone is not willing to see your worth and see your value and honor the fact that you get to take a vacation, honor the fact that you have built up a team that is going to take care of her even when you're gone and has that lack of trust in you and assumes that you need to be in the trenches with her in your own business did not align. Walk away. Say goodbye. And basically we ended up calling it quits. So you need to be really, really clear on what is a boundary, what are the non-negotiables, and you get to set the terms. And you need to set the terms based on what's going to make you the most successful, even if there's pressure on how you should be working. And this is also going to be super clear for when you go to make the deal and it's either a yes or a no, is being clear on what is a fit and what is not. That way, when something is not, when it doesn't fit, when the square is trying to be fit into the circle, you're like, this is not for me. So I've been talking for almost 30 minutes. Holy cow. But that is my experience with sweat equity. And that is basically my value that I wanted to share with you guys, because it is something that you have to have discernment on and you have to be very clear and think in a very large scale way. And you also need to be very clear again with who you are, what you're offering and what you need. So if you guys have any questions, please DM me, please message me. I hope you liked this solo. I know it was a little bit more nitty gritty, but I loved it. And I love talking about obviously my experience and hopefully giving you guys learnings there. So yeah, please rate, review, subscribe. You guys can DM me at Whitney Eckes. And thanks for listening and going under the influence of me.